The Bible just records it as one of them. One of them, the Bible says, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and he glorified God. Today we're going to be taking a look at this passage of Scripture found in Luke chapter 17. And so I'd invite you, if you haven't already, to turn with me in your Bibles there. And we're going to look at this in five different sections this morning. We're going to look at first at the cry, then at the command, then at the cleansing, then at the conversion... And finally, at the call. Let's bow our heads for an additional word of prayer as we begin. Father in heaven, today, we want to thank you for your word. In your word, we find strength and power. We find hope. We find a knowledge of you, your character, and your love for us. Today, Father, I just want to pray that you would just illuminate our minds as we study your word. Lord, I am, I'm only human. I'm only a sinner and I need your Holy Spirit today. We all need your Holy Spirit. I just pray that your Spirit might speak through your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 17. And uh, beginning with verse 11, we find the story. Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. It, 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 it tells a story of a group of people who had pretty much no reason to hope. It says that there was a group of lepers. It says it happened as he went to Jerusalem, that's Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, we could probably just spend some time on that thought. It seems as though the Bible writers give these stories, these situations that Jesus finds himself in, as if they just happened to occur. But it seems to me that as we read the Bible, Jesus or maybe God the Father who was leading him in his life, Jesus had more than just happenstance going on. It, it, nothing just happens by accident in the life of Jesus. And I believe that's also true in the life of his followers. I suppose that God knew that there were some lepers, maybe even one leper, who needed him to come this way. The Bible says that he was heading back towards Jerusalem. He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. There's a lot of things that we don't know about this story. We don't know if Jesus was taking the most direct route to Jerusalem. We don't know if he was taking a more circuitous route, as he sometimes did, like when he met the the Samaritan woman. We don't know what village this was that Jesus stopped at. In fact, we don't know the names of any of these individuals, not the ten, not even the one who would later figure prominently. This is seemingly a random occurrence with random people, unnamed people. They're not important. In fact, they were the offcasts of society. They were the ones who the Jews, at least, would assume were the greatest sinners because they were so sick. They were stricken with a fatal disease. And of course, I, I want as we begin this story for us just to remember that leprosy is also given in the Word of God as a symbol for a disease we all have, isn't it? It's used as a representation of sin. And so as we go through this story, I hope that you can just place yourself where none of us are lepers, thank God, but all of us are sinners. We all need 
a healing and a cleansing. And we all have something to be grateful for. So as we go through this story, I want you to just remember that. And and remember that this can be an illustration of our experience still today. Verse 12, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Let's just take these couple verses one by one. We're starting with the cry in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 13. The first thing we notice about these ten men that we can be sure about is that they knew they had a problem, right? They knew that they were lepers. I mean, after all, leprosy Leprosy is a very, uh, it's not only a very contagious disease, it's a very damaging disease. As I understand it, it it destroys the the nervous system, the ability to feel pressure and pain and temperature and so forth. The nerves are damaged, and so uh, that itself doesn't cause great problems, but when a person injures themselves, they don't realize they're injuring themselves. They don't realize they're slicing through their finger when they are actually putting too much pressure on something. And so this causes wounds and sores. And, and infections, and it leads eventually to a very painful and very uh, debilitating, very ugly uh, death. Gangrene sets in, and, and, and the smell of rotting flesh um, is, is, the, is the idea of leprosy. It's, it's a terrible thing terrible thing. The ten absolutely knew that they were lepers. In fact, it was necessary for lepers to be banished from society because of the contagious nature of the disease. And they would often be outside of the villages, outside of the towns, and they would be, they would be made to announce themselves wherever they went. So if a leper was to come in on, uh, on, a, on a road and there were people coming on that road, they were to say, unclean, unclean. They were to let people know that they were a leper that they had problems, and that they were carriers of this contagious, terrible disease. And often, because they were so disdained and, and feared by the people, it was, it was simply the, the people would coerce them to themselves stay far away from the road and let them pass. They didn't want to be anywhere near a leper. A leper was an outcast of society. A leper absolutely knew that they were a leper. There was no way of missing that fact. But the Bible says here that these ten lepers, they must have come together. Perhaps it was easier for them. Perhaps people asked them to stay together. You know, it's easier to, stay, to avoid all ten together than it is to avoid one, uh, ten of them one at a time. And so whenever they were going to places, perhaps they were staying together. Perhaps they found some camaraderie, some friendship, some socialization. We're social creatures, right? Lepers need friends too. And perhaps this was a group of people that had banded together. They had something in common. They were, they were lepers, and they were doomed to die. The Bible says that as Jesus is coming along this road, and, and he's, he's, he's on his way to this certain village, or he's just entering this certain village, it says there uh, met him ten men who were lepers. Now, the verb that's used here, it's only used twice in the New Testament, and it, it's apantao. Apantao is a, is a verb that is, that is a pretty much more like a confronting, okay? They confronted Jesus. They met him as a, as a little bit of a soft translation. I'll give you another example, uh, or the other example for this word here in Luke. In Luke chapter 14, it says this, or what king having, uh, going to make war against another king 
sits not down first and consults whether he is able with 10,000 to apantao him who has 20,000. You understand? If you're a king and you're being invaded by 20,000 soldiers, an army of 20,000, you have to meet him, right? You have to meet that. You have to apantao that invading army. And the Bible says here that these ten lepers, they met Jesus. They apantao. They came out and they, they, I can just imagine that they found a break in the traffic. Now, I don't know. This is my imagination. Take it with a grain of salt, okay? It's not inspired or, or, or uh, anything like that. Um, I could be wrong. But I can just imagine they found a, a little gap between travelers on the road. And the ten men sort of scurried out into the middle of the lane and they just sort of Ten men abreast, you know, they're like stopped. And Jesus is not going to get by us. We've heard of this healer. They apantaoed him. They met him. They confronted him. And the Bible says they stood actually afar uh, off. Um, so obviously they weren't coming right up to Jesus. They weren't, uh, they, weren't, uh, they weren't trying to invade his space. They knew better than that. Most of the artwork I see has them off to the side of the road, but in my imagination, I think they were blocking the road. All ten of them. And they were saying, Jesus, you've got to deal with us. We are demanding. Our need is great. We hear you can do something about it. They met him. But not only did they meet him, they also had something to say. You know, when you're a leper, you don't feel very close to God. When you're a sinner, it's the same. When you're a sinner, sometimes the best you can do is cry out from afar off. I want you to understand something here. It wasn't Jesus that was staying far away from the lepers. This is the good news. The good news is we can find in other Bible passages when Jesus met lepers, He touched them because Jesus was not afraid of leprosy. Jesus would not be contaminated by that disease which He was healing by His touch. Jesus was not afraid of getting close to these lepers. These lepers were hesitant to come close to Jesus. Oh, isn't that some way, sometimes the way it is in our lives? We're afraid to get too close to Jesus because we know we're sinners. We know we don't deserve Him. We know that we have to stay far off, or we think, I should say, we have to stay far off. And so here they are. They're remaining a long ways away. They stood afar off, and the Bible goes on, and it says this. They cried out. They lifted their voices. They cried out. Uh, the King James says they lifted up their voices. I can just see them. They're a long ways away. In order to get Jesus' attention, with all the people milling around him and talking to him, the disciples there perhaps, uh, in order to get Jesus' petition, attention, they had to cry out. Maybe they, maybe they did it in unison. You know, all ten of them. Three, two, one. Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus, Jesus saw them. Notice with me in verse 14. Luke chapter 17 and verse 14, it says, So when he saw them. Now, look, at me, look with me in that, in that passage, and what do you notice about the word them? Anything special? The word them? In my Bible, 
that word is italicized. And that means simply that it's inserted by the translators to make it flow in English. Now, I understand that the Greek language often just skips over pronouns. That's just the way Greek works. You don't have to, you don't have to say the pronoun. It's implied. I understand that. But I would like to read this without the pronoun there. And seeing... Here you are, ten men, they've accosted or confronted or apantaoed uh, Jesus. They've met him there. They've, they've, they've cried out with a loud voice from afar. They've said, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus, I think, saw, and he didn't just see ten men, he saw their situation. I want you to know, friends, that Jesus takes in at a glance what nobody ever understands about us. I want you to know that Jesus, when Jesus saw them, He saw their whole, their whole life of, of pain and suffering as lepers. Jesus saw the misery and the loneliness that they experienced banished from their friends and family. When Jesus saw them, Jesus saw the uncertainty and the fear that was in their hearts because they knew they were going to die. When Jesus saw them, Jesus saw the desperation, and, and, the, and by the way, Jesus also saw the faith and the hope, or at least some sort of a, a glimmer of hope in their eyes as they've now confronted and met Jesus, and they're asking for help. Jesus saw it all. Oh, Jesus knows everything about us. Jesus saw Jesus saw not just their leprosy. Jesus saw their burden of guilt and sin. Because the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And listen, I'm not here suggesting, as the Hebrews thought at the time, that these were worse sinners than anyone else, but I am suggesting that they were sinners. And they needed peace of heart. They needed something in their soul that was missing. And the Bible simply says, and seeing, he said to them. What does he say? He says, go, show yourselves to the priests. Go and show yourselves to the priests. You see, Jesus was telling them something that was ridiculous Jesus was suggesting that they ought to go back to the people who had already had looked at them with disdain and, and with, with, uh, with condemnation. And they said, you, had, you must be the worst sinners in the world because you have leprosy. You're hopeless. You're rejected of God. You're cursed of God. That's the attitude that the priests had. The priests thought that because they were lepers, they were the worst of the worst. And Jesus now says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. It must have gone through their mind, don't you think? Don't you think it had to have crossed their thoughts? Why would we go see those people again? Jesus, you're the one that's supposed to have, uh, give us hope for healing. The priest gave us no hope. They said, God is angry at you. There's no hope for you. You're just going to die this painful death. But Jesus said, Go show yourselves to the priest. Did you ever wonder why 
Jesus told them to go and show themselves to the priest? There's a number of reasons that I was thinking about as I, as I prepared this the, um, today. Um, one of the reasons I think that they may have gone, or Jesus may have said, go to the, show yourself to the priest, is uh, first of all, because Jesus knew that the priests were going to try to kill him. Right? Jesus knew that in a, in a little bit of time, the priests were going to say, we have to crucify this, this teacher, this rabbi, this Galilean. We have to crucify him in order to save our nation. That was the argument they were going to make. But Jesus here demonstrated something. Jesus here demonstrated that he did not stand in opposition to legitimate civil authority. Didn't he? The priests were the ones who had the responsibility to inspect someone to see if they had leprosy. You see, the church was meant to be a center of holistic health. I want you to understand that. The the temple in God's plan was not just a place of spiritual healing. It was a place of physical healing. God's church was to be the vehicle to the world to bring physical and mental and spiritual and social and emotional health to the world. And this was a part of the priest's responsibility to, to take care of, the, of the, the sanitation and the hygiene and the, the wellness of the people of God. God's people were, tent, were meant, to be a whole, meant to be giving a holistic health message. And here the priests had this responsibility. Jesus said, look, it may seem like I'm anti-priesthood. I'm not against legitimate authority. I'm simply against hypocrisy and error. And so Jesus here answers once and for all the challenge that he is trying to overthrow legitimate authority. Not at all. He spoke the truth, but he did not do so in a way that was uh, rebellious or trying to start a revolution. No, he he was here to start a spiritual kingdom. The second reason I think that he told them to go and show themselves to the priests was because he wanted the priests. You know, Jesus loved those priests, didn't he? They may have cried, crucify him, but Jesus loved every single one of them. In fact, he died for them. Some of them later would become believers. And Jesus sent these 10 men so that they could give a testimony to the priests themselves of the power of the Son of God to heal disease. Jesus sent them. He said, go and show yourselves to the priests. You see, there's no such thing as being healed in secret. Now, there were times when Jesus did, early in his ministry, when Jesus did say, don't tell anybody. It didn't work out so well. They went and told everyone anyway. But I want us to understand here that, that when we are healed from something as, as terrible as the leprosy of sin, it ought to be something we're telling other people about. If we're keeping quiet about it, that, that experience is going to wither and die on the vine. It's not going to be what God wants it to be. So he tells them, go and show, and show yourselves to the priests. And it says, the last part of verse 14, and so it was that as they went, what does it say? They were cleansed. Now, I want to ask you a question. Was walking down the road to the priests, was that what cleansed them? 
If they had just thought of that earlier and headed that way, would they have had cleansing from their leprosy? No, it was not going down the road that cleansed them. Be very clear about this, my friend. It was the power of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It was a miracle that cleansed them of their leprosy. It was. Going didn't cleanse them. Going down the road had no power. It was only Jesus that had the power. But what would have happened if they had not gone? What if they had said, look, we're lepers. We've already tried that. We've already talked to them. They don't have any time for us. They don't care about us. They think we're worthless people. We're not going. What would have happened? Do you think they would have been cleansed? I don't believe so. I really don't believe that the power of God would have been experienced by them had they said, we don't need to go. We've already been there. It's not any, it's not, it's useless. It's, it's, it's worthless to try. They wouldn't have happened. You see, my friends, uh, the Bible says that as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Going in, in obedience to the command of Jesus, they experienced the blessing that God miraculously wanted to give them. I want you to understand, it wasn't, nobody said, wow, you know, number eight or number seven or number six, at least it's not in the Bible. I don't think they said this. Wow, I was such a good walker down that road that my leprosy just had to leave because I walked so well towards those priests. They couldn't even say, you know what? I ran faster than number three, and so that's why God had to heal me because I just deserved it for running so fast. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to have clear in our minds that while obedience does not save us, it does not make us deserve forgiveness. It does not make us deserve salvation. Neither can we experience that miracle when we're not willing to go, as Jesus says. We need, we need both oars to make the boat go in a straight line. Now, it is only, it is only by grace through faith that we are saved. But that faith, if it is real faith, has also the component of obedience. Faith without works, the Bible says here in James chapter 2 and verse 17, is dead. So, the, 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 the lepers went, and I want you to know, friends, there's a blessing. There's a blessing in obedience. There's a blessing in going. There's a blessing in following the words of Jesus. So we've looked at the cry, we've looked at the command, now we've seen the cleansing. We're going to now see the conversion. This is where the story gets interesting. Luke chapter 17, and now we're at verse 15. The Bible says, and one of them, this nameless individual, we don't know anything about him except that he was a Samaritan. By inference, we conclude that the others perhaps were not Samaritans, they were Jews. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Notice one of them. It wasn't eight or nine or ten. It was only one of them. There's this unnamed individual. And where do we find him as we read this end of this story? We find him not afar off from Jesus now. Oh no, he's been cleansed. And let me tell you, when Jesus does something in our lives, we now can come close to him. He wants us to come close to him the whole time. 
But now when we're cleansed from our sins, we ourselves can grow. And I hope that the experience of our lives is to grow closer and closer to Jesus. This, this man who was now cleansed of his leprosy, we find him right here at the feet of Jesus. And he's, he's proclaiming God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy. And he's thanking Jesus for his cleansing. And he's not doing it now for, with a loud voice because Jesus can't hear. He wasn't far off shouting with a loud voice, right? Now he's right at the very feet of Jesus. Why is he crying with a loud voice? Because he wants everybody else to hear about what Jesus has done for him. Jesus has cleansed him from his disease of leprosy. He has changed the course of his life. He has saved him from a painful and, and terrible death. He has given him hope. He has reunited him with his family and friends. He has made him once again an upstanding citizen in society. And Jesus is now standing right in front of him at the feet of Jesus. He is proclaiming with a loud voice the praise and the glory of God. I want you to know something. I want you to know that I believe when Jesus here says in the final part of this passage, arise and go your way, your faith has made you well. I believe that this leper was really the only one who had true faith in Jesus as the Savior of the world. Now, I understand someone's going to say, but Chester, the other nine were healed too. And they had enough faith to at least obey what Jesus said and go as Jesus said to go, right? I, I, I understand that. But at some point, we have to understand that what Jesus was interested in was not only healing lepers. Jesus was interested in saving souls, okay? We have to understand that Elisha the prophet, Elisha the prophet healed a man of leprosy, Naaman, right? Well, God through Elisha. We understand that Elisha was a prophet and could heal, but Jesus was not just an ordinary prophet. Those other nine, I suppose, they may have had faith in Jesus as a good teacher from God. They may have had faith in Jesus as having heard some of his healings and his miracles. They may have even believed that he was a true prophet of God. But they did not have faith that Jesus was the Son of God. There's a difference. There's a difference. And the Bible here records, and by the way, to experience miracles does not require faith. I understand Jesus said over and over, your faith has made you whole. But think of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. Is it a true story? Yes, that's what happened. Five loaves, two fishes. How many of them were really exercising genuine, heartfelt faith in Jesus as the Son of God? The Bible says in John chapter 6 that when he started telling them some things they didn't like to hear, and when he told them, listen, you're coming and listening to me because you liked the food, not because you're really wanting to change in your hearts. Many of them, so many of them left that Jesus turned to the twelve and said, will you also go away? That tells me, friends, 
that not every miracle that we experience is the result of our faith. Often it's because God loves us and blesses us through miracles that we don't deserve. Well, we don't deserve any of them, do we? So we'll get that out of the way. God loves us. He fed the 5,000 not because of their faith. I, I propose to you that he blessed the, the, the nine lepers not because of their faith, but because God is good. He is. He gives us blessings after blessings after blessings. Many of them we take for granted because they happen every single day. And so we fail to remember that they are actually miracles. When your eyelids popped open this morning, it was a miracle. Every breath that we breathe, every, every heart beat that we experience is a miracle that God is sustaining our lives. And because they're so ordinary, we forget that they're miracles. We take them for granted. And let me tell you, those don't happen because of our goodness, of our greatness, or because even of our faith. They happen because of God's goodness that He blesses us. Oh, friends, if we could only see how we are the recipients of heaven's blessings. We would, be, we would be overwhelmed to see how good God is to His children. Oh, you see, I believe that God wants us to understand so much more about what He's doing in our lives. So all the ten, we can conclude, were healed physically, not because of their faith, but by the word of Jesus and for the glory of God, because of the goodness of God, because He loved them, He healed them physically. But this one of them's faith, this one man's faith and gratitude enabled him to experience something the other nine never experienced, at least not in this story. He experienced something they missed out on. You see, he experienced, I believe, the peace that comes from knowing that not only was he healed physically, he was forgiven of God, and he was now a child of God. Notice with me what Jesus says. Jesus answered, verse 17, and were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Verse 19, and he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well, now, when Jesus says that to this man, I believe what Jesus was saying was not because you had such great faith, you, I was able to cleanse you of your leprosy. I believe what Jesus was saying to this man is, you exercised the little faith that I, that I gave you, the little faith that you had, you exercised it, and now you're, now you're coming to me and falling at my feet by the way, at Jesus' feet, there's salvation. Amen? Falling at Jesus' feet, there is salvation. And I believe Jesus was saying to this man, your little faith is enough for even your sins to be forgiven. You remember when he healed the paralytic? Remember that? And Jesus has this paralytic lowered down on, through the roof on a, on, a, on a cot or a stretcher or some sort of a hammock. And there he says to him, simply, your sins are forgiven you. Remember that story? And the, and, and the Pharisees, the priests were like, oh, 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 oh. And, and Jesus said, well, listen, why are you talking about me forgiving sins? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or, or you're made whole? You see? 
For Jesus, someone who was there exercising faith in him as the Son of God, these two were one and the same. For the sinner who felt that he was forsaken of God and this evidenced and proved by his sickness, to be healed was an evidence that his sins had been forgiven. Well, maybe it was just because of God's goodness. Maybe it was just because there's a healer. But this one leper who came and gave thanks, this one leper now had from the lips of Jesus himself the evidence that his faith had made him whole. And that would mean not only whole physically, but whole spiritually as well. Let me tell you, friends, there's nothing more... Being healed physically is wonderful. But being able to know that our sins are forgiven, washed in the blood of Jesus, God looks at us as if we had never sinned, that is an overwhelming feeling of peace and happiness that no one can take away from you. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you whole well. You see, all ten of these lepers were blessed, were they not? But only one of them, only that one, really appreciated it, returned to give it. And so when we, when we look at this story, we recognize that by not returning, really the nine were the losers. The nine were shortchanging themselves. They were missing out on the greater blessing that God wanted to give them. They, they missed out on the assurance from the lips of Jesus that their sins were forgiven. They missed out on the opportunity to come close to Jesus, near to Jesus, because they weren't giving thanks. They were just so happy to go about their daily lives as if it was a normal thing that had happened. Having a heart filled with gratitude and, and willing to express it gave even greater gifts than the healing of leprosy to the one of them, to that one unnamed person, that Samaritan man. Because of Jesus, we might conclude the ten were blessed, but because the one returned and knelt at Jesus' feet, he was saved. I want to ask you today, my friends, are you blessed? Are you blessed? I mean, it's Thanksgiving time. We might as well admit it, we're blessed. Often it's not because of us, it's in spite of us. It's not because we're so good, it's because He is so good. We're blessed. I, don't, I, I know we all have different struggles. Some of you look around, you see other people, and you, they don't have the problem that I have. And so you feel like, well, I wish I was in their situation. They don't have to worry about X, Y, or Z. But guess what? They have to worry about A, B, and C. No matter who we are, we all, we're living in a fallen world, a sinful world, are we not? There's pain, there's suffering, there's, this isn't the way we're meant to be living. God made man upright, but we sort of had our own idea. And we're paying the consequences for it. The good news is that's going ha- to change. And so while we're blessed here, the important thing is not only to be blessed, but to be kneeling at the feet of Jesus in gratitude and to hear those words, your faith has made you well. To hear, to know that we experience Jesus' love personally, individually, 
In some ways, I'm glad. In some ways, I'm glad that only one of these lepers came back because it illustrates the fact that all of us individually, personally, have to make that journey to Jesus' feet. Oh, he wants us to be there. He would have been happy to have welcomed all ten. But we can't do it as a group. Yes, God, God calls us into fellowship, into community, into the body of Christ, but we're saved one by one as we personally, individually make our own choice to kneel at the feet of Jesus, to, to allow the goodness of God to lead us to repentance, to, to allow our hearts to be filled with gratitude instead of discontent. The call that God has for us is for us to live like one of them. The Lord desires us to make mention of His goodness and tell of His power. He is honored by the expression of praise and thanksgiving. He says, Whoso offereth praise glorifies me. The people of Israel, as they journeyed through the wilderness, praised God in sacred song. The commandments and promises of the Lord were set to music, and all along the journey these were sung by the pilgrim travelers. And in Canaan, as they met at their sacred feasts, God's wonderful works were to be recounted and grateful thanksgiving offered to His name. God desired that the whole life of His people should be a life of, what does it say? Life of praise. Christ's Object Lessons, page 298. Share with you a couple of other statements real quickly. We've seen illustrated already in God's Word. But I want to share with you these, these clarion calls to thanksgiving and gratitude. God loves a thankful heart, trusting implicitly in His words of promise, gathering comfort and hope and peace from them, and He will reveal to us still greater depths of His love. Do you understand what happens? When we have received with a grateful heart what, we, what we've been blessed by, we are going to receive more. That's the, that's the principle that we're trying to see here. Again, from uh, Reflecting Christ, 285. As you pour out your thank offering, God is glorified and He gives you more. As you pour out thanksgiving, He gives you more joy. We learn to praise God from whom all blessings flow. What does it say we learn? You notice that? Uh, evidently, evidently it's not just intuitive. Evidently it doesn't always just come naturally. Evidently we have to learn. It, have, it comes by practice. It comes when we thank God for what He's done for us, we ourselves grow. We receive more. We are blessed when we thank God for His goodness to us. Finally, last one here from Desire of Ages, page 347. Our confession of His faithfulness is heaven's chosen agency for revealing Christ to the world. We are to acknowledge His grace as made known through the holy men of old. But that which will be most effectual is the testimony of our own experience. We are witnesses for God as we reveal in ourselves the working of a power that is divine. Every individual has a life distinct from all others and an experience differing essentially from theirs. God desires that our praise shall ascend to Him, marked by our own individuality. Are you thankful for Jesus? Are you thankful He appreciates that we're individuals? We don't have, you don't have to be the pastor, friend. You don't have to be, you don't have to be somebody else 
We have our own personality. We have our own approach. We have our own background experience. But God wants that. Our praise, ascending to Him, marked by our own individuality, these precious acknowledgments to the praise of the glory of His grace, when supported by a Christ-like life, have an irresistible power that works for the salvation of souls. Oh, friends, God has a call on our lives today. He's calling us to be like the one. This Thanksgiving, I hope you not only remember that you're blessed, I hope you're spending time at the feet of Jesus. Because there, there you'll experience even greater blessing. And there I think you'll end up lifting up your voice too and, and telling others about how good God is, not just to give you life, not just to give you the harvest, not just to bless us materially and bring us through another year, but to give us the hope and the promise in the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. Father in heaven, today we just thank you that you have blessed all of us, no matter no matter our, our situation in life, we're all blessed. We're here, we're alive. Sometimes, Lord, we, we're, we struggle with the problems in our lives and the challenges in our lives and the difficulties and the, and the hardships that we've passed through, and we tend to focus on those when, Lord, you want us to focus on the blessings so that you can give us more. Oh, Lord, especially, I pray that not only would we be confident in the fact that you're blessing us, I pray that you would that we would be experiencing the spiritual blessings that only come as we spend time at your feet. Lord, we not only want to be cleansed, we want to be converted, and we want to tell others what a wonderful Savior is Jesus our Lord. Make us those powerful witnesses with an irresistible influence for the gospel especially this Thanksgiving. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.